0: Hello, it's bonfire weekend, sort of, although we're not allowed to go outside. So here's another edition of It's Your Money, the Mayor Brownsword podcast to warm your hands around. I'm Andrew Harrison and I've got Andy Mayer with me. Hello, Andy. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. I'm not bad. Uh, we're, we're sitting here with uh, election data in front of us, refreshing like crazy. It's
1: quite a hectic week, isn't it? It's, I think, when we set this up for this Thursday, I don't think I'd have ever have thought we would be in the carnage we are today. Absolutely.
0: Are, are you all stocked up and ready for lockdown as well? Because lockdown starts today. Have you got all your stuff in, Your dry roast peanuts and everything?
1: Oh, yeah. I've got 12 bottles of wine being delivered tomorrow morning. That's the most important thing. The wine stock is staying high. That will keep everybody happy.
0: Absolutely. That's the only thing you need to get through. it. So as <laughs> ever... We're here to update the Mayor Brownsford family on what's going to affect you in the world of money round about now and, then, and in the next few weeks. We are going to be talking about the consequences of the American election. Whoever wins it, we still don't know. But first, lockdown two, the sequel. What's it going to mean for the economy, for jobs and in the longer term for your pensions and investments? So, Andy, the government was dead set against the lockdown, even to the extent of avoiding what could have been a two week circuit breaker around half term. Now we're going to be indoors until at least the 2nd of December. What is this going to mean for the economic recovery?
1: I think it's postponed the economic recovery. And then a few hours ago, Sunek announces furloughs being extended till March. So Mm. I think, as somebody explained to me yesterday, it feels like you've been let out of jail on parole to be told you've got to go back into jail again. And I think there is real psychological issues for people with this, we're having a lockdown, you're coming out of lockdown, you're having a lockdown. I think that's the most disturbing aspect at the moment. Yeah.
0: How, I mean, is it possible to assess how the recovery had been going before this second lockdown? Because we knew knew it was in the post. We knew it was kind of, it was on the way.
1: I think, interestingly, you look at parts of the British economy, whilst the FTSE is massively down, there are reasons for that. But you look at places like the financial sector is quite well capitalised, unlike 2008 So there is the ability for the banks to lend people money. The central banks have also decided quite cleverly this time from 2008, not to squeeze money, but to actually get in collaboration with governments to help. But I think this lockdown now, and I think it was Gove's statement on Sunday that it might not end in December. And then you read between the lines with Sunex extending furlough in today. That's actually, I think, quite worrying for people who haven't worked since maybe March. And I think What's also happening is people are losing confidence about work, going to work, going out. And I think it's how we get the economy back going is going to be a major dilemma for this or any government.
0: So we're about to hit the crucial Christmas shopping period. And you're just talking there about about, about collapsing uh, confidence non-essential shops are closing. Sainsbury's just announced it's cutting three and a half thousand uh, shops, including all of its meat, fish and deli counters. It's closing 420 August. This is more than a, a kind of a regular downturn. How can you stimulate demand when jobs are disappearing like this? When you just said, you know, banks are not tightening on lending, but I mean, what are they lending for if the economy is, is heading into such a, a, a rapid uh, wind
1: down? Central banks are lending out to basically keep the government in business if we're being brutally honest if the central bank stops lending the government's policies don't work i think the worrying aspect is like you've just said there's an awful lot of people now losing jobs and i think the furlough scheme is to try and encourage people like sainsbury's not to do what it's doing but ultimately you can only keep quantitative easing going for so long eventually an economy has to stand on its own two feet were there signs before the second lockdown that
0: it, it, that we were about to kind of get back into that, you know, some, some degree of expansion or job creation outside of the government-stimulated thing.
1: Well, it was when Ian Duncan-Smith the other day just turned around and said the economy was just getting back on its feet that you actually think this is a ex-Tory leader actually criticising the current Tory policy that you think, bizarre, because I think at the moment the scientists are dominating the economy and directing the economy, whereas generally it should be the economics, I suspect, directing... The science. So what's happening is the scientists are pressurising, I think, government into lockdowns. And it's not for me to decide who's right, but actually what we're now seeing is further lockdowns are going to have a dire long-term economic consequence. Isn't that the problem that we've got into, though? We're into this idea that it's a a kind of a
0: binary choice. It's either the economy or it's the science and the lockdown. And in fact, the the all-party parliamentary group on coronavirus, which is lots of MPs, backbenchers across all the parties they've been trying to make the case that you can't save the economy until you save lives until you've got the virus under control so actually a lockdown like this way may have terrible immediate consequences on the economy is actually the only way to preserve its future i mean we're kind of getting off investment here a
1: little bit aren't we but Uh. are we going to have to tackle that question coming up but i think that there's going to have to be some sort of consensus whether we keep locking down and i think if we keep locking down how long can you do that for? Because depending on which scientific report you read, we've got COVID coronavirus here for a number of years until we can get a vaccine that reduces its impact. Now, do we lock down or do we protect the vulnerable? Do we spend the money on furloughing or do we spend the money making sure the Nightingale hospitals have enough staff to work them? And I think that's where we're getting stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I think it's for people to decide what they want. But I think if you're being sent home from work and you're faced another month, two months at home in maybe a small flat with no outside space or you're bringing your children home and you're struggling, I think it's a very personal decision here. And I think it's very difficult to say what is the right approach, whether the government have done it right, the Swedish government have done it right, the Americans have done it right. I don't think there's an answer. But I think at some stage, we have to make a decision on what we're going to do.
0: Let, let's bring it back to that question of, of people's investments and, and people's you know, pensions and their, and their financial planning and so on. I mean, I've mentioned Sainsbury's and our, our, we're all invested in these businesses yeah. through our, our pension plans and our, and our personal portfolios. What should listeners be doing now? If we're looking at, you know, there's no point in
1: sugarcoating it. It's going to be a pretty grim, uh, immediate future. What, what's the best approach This sounds very cynical and it sounds like I'm selling double glazing, but the reality is we've probably got the best buying opportunity we've had since 2008, 2010, because whilst the Dow's had an amazing run, the UK stock market is significantly down. There are certain areas that are still fundamentally good, and you have to look at an investment you buy in 2010 as a 10-year term. When you buy it, it's the famous joke, isn't it? A dog isn't for Christmas, it's for life. When you go and sort of buy your investment, whether it's your pension, your ISA, your bond, you've got to take a 10-year view on it. And some of the markets are trading very, very favorably, but it, you won't see an instant return. But unlike right. 2008, the banks are well capitalized across the world generally. Governments and central banks work better. This is not 2008. 2008. So I suspect next year will be a great buying opportunity. I don't think there'll be an instant bounce back, but I think there's going to be some very, very good funds to be buying at quite heavily discounted prices.
0: I've never understood the idea that people think it's cynical to in, to invest when the market's down because you're you, you're investing in companies, you're you're showing confidence in companies that you think are going to go somewhere, aren't you? It's, you know, it seems to be like almost the responsible <laughs> thing to do
1: it is but i think when there's people listening to this who are possibly on 80 percent pay or are facing redundancies yeah. i think it sometimes sounds that you're just telling them it's a great opportunity because there's some people facing a bleak future just not just financially but emotionally but if you were looking at your spending that's dropped dramatically and you have spare money putting mm. 20 pound 200 pound 2000 pound a month extra into whatever you can afford is a really great time to buy. What we're saying to everyone though, is don't just go and stick a lump sum in. Because if you've got mm. a lump sum, none of us know how the market's going to react in the next week, month. So we're asking people to spread it in over six to 12 months.
0: All the money I've been saving on buses has been going on mail-order beer, so that's probably a good investment. <laughs> what, what, no, but it what, probably uh, keeps what, you happy. <laughs> Yes, it's an investment in other in other terms, yes, in, in wellbeing. Um, is it possible to say, you know, those areas that you think might turn out to be quite good buys next year, what sort of areas they
1: would be? I think if you look at the next decade, I think uh, Swiss banks, UK banks, financial companies are doing well. I think if we're taking a cynical approach, and a tongue-in-cheek, some of the cannabis stocks that have started to be created. <laughs> I know people... it's a new side to you, Andy. <laughs> Andy. No, but I think some of the cannabis stocks, I mean, it hasn't gone as quickly as they hoped in Canada. I think electric cars, I think the money in ele- won't be in electric cars. I think it'll be in the components that are put into electric cars. And I think renewable energies will considerably will do considerably well next year. I think, Mm -hmm. actually, if there's a Biden outright victory, that will help uh, renewable energy in America because he has got a much greater preponderance to look at the environment rather than Trump. And Mm. I think tech stocks will continue to, obviously, when you look at how well the American market's done, it's been driven by tech stocks. They'll continue to have a strong return over the next couple of years. But there is rumours that Biden will try to regulate tech stocks in a different way. And if he does get announced as the president, he is going to increase corporation tax, which will impact some of these tech stocks uh, profits.
0: Before we move on to talk about possibly president, possible Biden, uh, I just want to go back to the British Parliament for a second. And uh, you mentioned Sunak's extending the salary furlough, 80 percent salary. Beyond the end of lockdown into March. Now, this is turning into the endless extension, isn't it? Is there any sight of the end of this? Or are we in, in a long-term scenario where effectively, you know, for a couple of years and maybe a new generation of people going into work are going to expect that the government's got to underwrite its salary for a while?
1: I think that's where this is starting to become worrying because you're looking at governments paying people to stay at home. And I think it's the approach of quantitative easing is one economic theory. But there are other theories that suggest actually in the long term, this does not help at all, because you're actually masking a problem that's going to have other issues to come the minute he stops quantitative easing. If he's saying he's extending furlough, does that mean that he's going to extend the lockdowns?
0: Yeah. Well, the TUC and the CBI, not usually in agreement, both said that this is, the furlough scheme is suited to a period of economic recovery when you, you're on a path and you want to you know, keep yeah. people in jobs for you know, to enable the economy to grow in due course, but it doesn't seem like that's happening at the moment. Does, does this mean that the furlough scheme itself is, is going to be jettisoned at some point?
1: I think the furlough scheme has to be altered at some stage, and I think there are a lot of people who are listening to this who've been left not protected by the furlough schemes. I think it's an incredibly difficult decision, and I think Sunex done a remarkably diligent job, but when we get to the end of March next year, we'll be in furlough for 12 months. I think that's an incredibly long time. And I think when we've seen mass unemployment before, when you look at what happened with Thatcher closing down the coal mines and areas really two to three generations later never fully got back to working. And I I understand what Sue is trying to do. I actually worry that people are now becoming so institutionalized that I think that could have a very long-term implication for the country. Mm.
0: Let's move on to that US election, which, <laughs> as I said at the top of the show, was as a knife edge. I just refreshed the New York Times page. It's still on a knife edge. Figures haven't changed at all. Joe Biden's got 72 million votes, 50.4% of the popular vote, the highest vote anybody has ever achieved in a US presidential election, which is remarkable. Let's look at the economics. Andy, i mean global stock markets have been climbing in recent days on the possibility of a biden win why is that is it just the end of uncertainty and the idea that at least we know some degree of of the future or is it actually sort of concrete confidence in his policies
1: i don't think it's a concrete policies i think it's actually people now want the end of a trade war with china in america I think there is so many massive divides in America that if you've got this many people out to vote, they're voting for change. Bizarrely, stock markets in America normally do better in non-presidential years, but they've had a remarkable year. But I think America is becoming a very divided society, and I think to get that many people out to vote proves how many people want change.
0: Yeah I mean it's we've talked about this before on the podcast the Dow in particular has done really well this year during the coronavirus which is totally counterintuitive it was below 20,000 in march it's now almost 28,000 how and why has that happened it, it can't all be it can't all be deliveroo and netflix can
1: it it is Do they have deliveroo in america i don't even know whatever they have in america Oh, they'll have food be delivered, I promise you, over there. I think it's, tech, it's basically tech stocks and pharmaceuticals, because if you think everyone's taking a bet on who's going to get the first COVID response, and if you look at Netflix, Google, Amazon, Zoom, we, we, we contact all of our people now via Zoom. Me and you were doing podcasts. All of these things 12 months ago would have been unthinkable. Now, this is the world, and those companies have driven the Dow through unprecedented territories.
0: Right, because Trump's entire offer to the electorate was, "I'm the economy president." It's not about the virus; it's about the economy, and you know, I will put more, more money in your pocket. It, his entire campaign was about that. Yep. Um, has he been a good president from an economic point of view, or, or, or do you think uh, circumstances have driven this by, by driving
1: certain sectors and certain technologies so hard? I think what will be fascinating about Trump is I always, I always said that once Trump was de-elected you'll be able to get underneath the bonnet of the car and see what damage has actually been done. Uh, And whilst he's driven the economy fast-paced because he's massively into tax cuts, he's reduced corporation tax, he's basically very much get on with it, do what you want. I think Biden will come in with greater regulation. But sometimes when you deregulate industries too much, and we saw that in 2008 when the global financial crisis hit, there is no rules and things can go drastically wrong. I think it'll be fascinating with a Biden victory to see what was actually underneath the bonnet of Trump's campaign. It's going to be interesting because there's, there's a possibility, obviously
0: there's a possibility that Biden will take the presidency. There's also a possibility that the Democrats will take the Senate. So they'll have a Senate House and presidency, which gives yeah. them options to do an awful lot more than, uh, than when you simply got one, one leg of the of the stool, as it were. What do you think are the consequences if Trump wins and continues as before?
1: (laughs) I think economically, if Trump wins, but the Democrats can control um, the Senate, then it will make it a different four years. I suspect if Biden wins and they control the Senate, they can get an awful lot done in the next two years. And I think there'll be some fundamental changes. I think the person who's sweating on this the most is the, uh, the Fed chair, Jerome Powell, because I think Trump has openly said he'll fire him and Biden said he'll openly keep him. So there's one man, as much as me and you mm-hmm. are keeping on it, is probably absolutely sweating on this result more than anybody else. And it will make a dramatic shift. I think there'll be an end to the Chinese-American trade wars with a Biden victory. He'll promote, let's buy America. But I think it will be less argumentative and more conciliatory to try and get things done. So I've just Googled up some of the best and worst performers in the Dow because you mentioned the Dow for
0: you know, to see who's done what. This is this is to uh, October. One of the worst performers is Boeing, obviously, airplanes down fifty five point seven percent. But it's quite remarkable to see here. Also, energy stocks have generally done badly. Technology stocks are done great. Apple up forty eight percent. Microsoft up hugely. But the you know the surprises things like banking, like J P Morgan, is really down quite badly. So I mean, there are only thirty stocks in, in in the Dow, obviously. But it is remarkable when you see that the things that you see in the headlines are kind of replicated uh, right there in the in, in the raw figures. The you know technology is doing really well. Travel doing absolutely terribly badly. So just from an investor's point of view. You, uh, what should listeners, what should Mayor people be thinking in terms of doing in relation to the U.S. economy?
1: Because you do have funds that are heavily invested in the U.S. Yeah. I think the U.S. economy, I've always said, is one of the hardest ones to predict because to outperform the S&P is incredibly difficult or the Dow. So a lot of the time you're looking at to use passive investments where you track the markets and you pick one active. I think, again, with the American market, Biden's victory or if it is a, isn't a Biden victory you have got whilst energy stocks are massively down and there's this massive change to renewable energies you can only move to renewable energies you've still got to use some fossil fuels so at the moment if we just use energy stocks as an example no one's travelling via plane not many people are getting on cruises not many people on trains but if we assume that this vaccine does work people will travel again maybe not in the numbers so these energy stocks will come back. How the airline industry will cope with another blank year will be a different issue. But I think when we start traveling again, energy stocks will recover. Because if we think about this still, we're still all using electricity. We're still all going to need heating in the winter. But what's really decimated the energy stocks is the people's lack of travel. But and there is a but here. If people have become so institutionalized and society has changed so much, these stocks may take longer to recover than what we think, because people might look at it and go, I don't want to go to America again on holiday from the UK. I don't want to do Disneyland. I'll actually settle for Torquay. So just finally then, what's what's
0: in the next president's in tray? What I mean, it's obviously the virus is the biggest thing, but what's the biggest economic
1: question for them? I think if we assume, let's assume it's, and it's looking like a Biden victory. I think he'll raise taxes. Sorry, not tax. He'll raise corporation tax on companies. He'll increased minimum wage. I think he'll go with this stronger American policy. I think he'll obviously try to keep Jerome Powell in place as the Fed chair. But I think his biggest task is reuniting a country that appears to me, and I haven't traveled to America this year for obvious reasons. Yeah, nobody it, has. that yes. <laughs> seems more divided than at any time, probably since the 60s. And I think that's... The big challenge facing Biden is to reunite a country that has different economic policies in each state, has a different democratic, uh, sorry, demographic in each state, and is going to be an incredibly challenging and hard task for anyone to, to basically unite the states of America. Because to me at the moment, it's a very, very divided country.
0: Well, that's the end of another edition of It's Your Money, the Mayor Brownsville podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. Andy, thanks for talking to me. One day we'll do a cheerful edition when things are (laughs) going better, won't we? Not soon, but eventually one day we will. Uh, We'll be back soon with what you need to know about how the world of money affects you. You can get us on Apple's podcasts and Spotify as well, as well as numerous other podcast outlets. So you can listen on your phone rather than your desktop. Do subscribe and you won't miss an edition. Andy, good talking to you. What's, What's your lockdown plan now for the weekend? At least the football's still on.
1: Yeah, Celtic play Prague in the Europa League tonight. So I'm hoping to watch that with my son and I'm hoping Celtic get back to winning ways. So uh, I think that's my plan. What I would say to everyone listening to this, whilst it does, it can appear sometimes that it's a tough outlook. This is a great opportunity for the future investments because of the way the world is. And as long as we take a long-term view, things will end up better, but it is very tough. And I'm aware of that for people at the moment. Yeah, it is. Well, you know, all you can do is take that long-term view, isn't it?
0: Andy, good talking to you. See you next time. Cheers, Andrew. Good luck.